lot is going on under the cover of the coronavirus, precisely what Naomi Klein is talking about with the frame's shock doctrine and disaster capitalism. Besides gutting environmental regulations and throwing money at overserved corporations, we see the Trump administration attempting to use the pandemic to justify existing economic sanctions on Venezuela and on Iran, immiserating civilians of other sovereign countries to openly pressure them to choose a government more to the U.S.'s liking is not new, sadly. Doing it in the face of a pandemic is just further evidence, were it needed, that the cruelty is the point. Canada-based writer Joe Emmersberger has been working on this. He's written about it for FAIR.org. He joins us now by phone. Welcome back to Counterspin, Joe Emmersberger. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, let's start with Venezuela, I guess, where readers will be now hearing that Maduro is a drug dealer or they're a narco mm-hmm. state. What What's happening in Venezuela now with regard to U.S. actions and why now? Yeah, it seems like the United States was coming under pressure, you know, with, with the coronavirus and all the followed all over the world, it's a pandemic. It seems like they were coming under pressure. They are coming under some pressure to at least ease, if not temporarily lift, the sanctions they've imposed on so many countries, including Venezuela. You know, I wrote a piece mentioning that the IMF rejected an emergency request by Venezuela for loans, for $5 billion loans, a special emergency-type loan they've made available to countries for help them through the coronavirus crisis. So Maduro's government in Venezuela immediately applied and got rejected very quickly by the IMF, which is typically run by the uh, United States government's mm-hmm. Treasury Department. I mean, they have the veto for loans to uh, middle-income countries. So it seemed like shortly after that, the uh, United States reacted to the pressure to ease the sanctions, which would double down, just basically go on the attack and put out indictments on Maduro and several other uh, former and current officials of the Venezuelan government, of Maduro's government, saying that they're involved with drug trafficking. In uh, Maduro's case itself, it said that he had a strategy of trying to flood the United States with drugs to weaken the United States, which is uh, just ludicrous. But when you demonize a country, typically the United States, what they do is they portray the country as uh, whatever uh, leader they're after. It's not just evil, but also totally irrational so that you can believe anything about them. You know, like, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein, obviously, in that case, he was a a brutal dictator, but he wasn't irrational. He He wasn't hiding weapons of mass destruction. But they, you know, they managed to convince people that all these guys are against us, so therefore they're not really rational. So you can believe any allegations. In fact, what's funny, though, is that actually Venezuela would have much more uh, reason to issue indictments and charge U.S. officials because one of the people they singled out in these indictments is a general who was living in Colombia, and he just recently came up publicly saying that he was working with Guaido and U.S. advisors to try to organize some kind of armed uprising, you know, which would probably include even the assassination of Maduro. So based on that alone, Venezuela could be uh, prosecuting U.S. officials and trying to extradite them to Venezuela for that. But, you know, obviously that just doesn't happen because it's all a matter of who has more firepower, not has who, who has an actual legal case, you know, that has very little to do with, <laughs> with yeah. these kind of situations. <laughs> when you get to the drug traffic allegations, too, of course, and this is just based on the DEA's own statistics, 
The overwhelming majority of drugs is, of course, produced in Colombia and consumed in the United States. And even if you look at even the path that it takes to get to the United States, according to the DA, there's images that Venezuela analysis and other people have published online. It shows that most of the transit is even through governments that are typically aligned with the United States. So it's just another way to show how outlandish, how politically motivated the allegations against Venezuela are, because if this was a legitimate drug trafficking concern, of course, I mean, there'd be all sorts of Colombian officials and even even U.S. entities, uh, maybe officials or other entities that allow the money to get laundered and everything in the United States. The Trump administration has been so transparent in their desire for regime change, if I can say it softly, Mm -hmm. in Venezuela, that it just seems like, oh, wow, now you're bringing out a drug charge? You know, it just, their their Mm -hmm. goal is so transparent that one wonders why you would take any particular, you know, iteration especially seriously, and yet we have media engaging it you know i, I guess i sure. could also ask you just there's there sanctions have an impact they have an impact on human beings right i mean we can't sure. forget that of course not you know it, even if everything they said about venezuela's government was true and it's not i mean venezuela is a, is a, has a democratically elected government i mean that has to be said because even from well-intentioned people sometimes you don't get pushback on that particular point because it's just been so internalized repeated so often that people just maybe give up or maybe think they have other things to say, but that's that's huge. I mean, Venezuela's government is democratically elect. That's what makes it so especially horrifying. It is as much right to call itself democratic elect as any, any country, United States, Canada, or anybody else. But it's still being openly targeted. You know, usually the United States has a, a kernel of truth. Any propaganda, there's some kind of truth at the heart of it, even if it's embroidered with lies. Like, for instance, you know, Iraq. I mean, Saddam Hussein really was a horrible dictator. That was a truth, but of course that didn't mean that everything else they said was true. And also in the case of Saddam Hussein, you know, the sanctions, you know, you had UN officials resigning, top-level UN officials resigning in the 90s, in the late 90s, you know, Hans von Spanek and David Holliday, well, for the sanctions. Because even though, yes, Saddam Hussein was a brutal dictator, but even the most brutal dictatorship still provides essential services to its population. They still have civil servants trying to do their best to provide health care and sanitation, all the basic stuff that a government does. And if you slash the government's revenue, then you slash the government's ability to import essential things. Yeah, food, medicine, but also spare parts for things like the sewage system and electricity grid and all that stuff. So there's no such thing as reducing a government's revenue deliberately through sanction and not hurting the general population. Even if the government is, like in the case of Saddam Hussein, a a dictator, a brutal one, all that, but still when you hurt a government's ability to buy essential products. And if you think about it, the worse the government is, the more that's going to be the case. I mean, the more likely the government's just going to transfer as much pain as it can get away with to population and spare the privileged sectors it looks after. So in the case of Venezuela, you know, Mark Weisbach and Jeffrey Sachs estimated that by the end of 2018 alone, just between 2017 and 2018, when Trump really ramped up the financial sanctions, by then they had already been linked to like 40,000 deaths. Now you can debate whether that's higher or lower, but that's only till the end of 2018. Now, in the beginning of 2019 on, they've constantly increased the severity and intensity of the sanctions, trying to make it illegal for Venezuela to sell its oil and for anyone to buy it from them. <laughs> you know, they kept ramping it up. So 
that is killing thousands of people. If there were an opposition movement in countries like Canada and the United States and Europe, demand wouldn't just be, got to stop this. Demand would actually be, hey, we got to prosecute the people involved with this. This is killing people. This is a crime. This, you know, People should be facing legal consequences for this. But it's hard enough just to get to the point where you can just tell them, stop. Absolutely. And, you know, so many premises that go on question that the United States has the right to do this, to exert pressure, right. to harm the civilian population of a country and the the idea is meant to be, well, if we starve them and make them suffer enough, then they'll change their government. And that's what right. we, we want them to have a different government. I mean, it's just assumption on assumption on assumption and all of them are outrageous. Well, I wanted to ask you about Iran. You can link them together. It's also a case where People are suffering, but if you read U.S. media, it's all for a point, and it's just Mm -hmm. hard to see what that point could be. In the case of Iran, it's a little different. They're not trying to claim that Iran needs to democratize. They're saying that Iran has a so-called nuclear program that threatens the region, threatens the United States. So it's more similar to the line against Saddam Hussein. Uh, But there is no nuclear weapons program. I mean, there is a nuclear energy program, uh, but... There's a country in the region that refuses to put its uh, nuclear weapons under uh, uh, international control, and that's Israel, of course. But they, you know, they came and talk about that because that's an ally, so they can do what they want. They, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, we're Canada as well, sending arms to Saudi Arabia, United States, and 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 all sorts of military support and everything for them to commit horrific crimes in Yemen. I mean, it's. The threat to the region is, is really the, the U.S. and its allies, but Iran is singled out. As everyone knows, it's been a long time regarded as by the United States as an enemy. And Iran also applied for the same IMF loan that Maduro recently applied for, and they took a bit longer, but it looks like it's finally been rejected because of the U.S. pressure. You know, the IMF, like I said, is basically run by the U.S., especially when it comes to making loans to uh, low- and middle-income countries. And the Europeans push back very softly, you know, when they do push back. So that's an important point, you know, the, the complicity of countries like Canada and the EU. You know, it's, it's basically a, a group of, you know, roughly 50 countries at the United States. It's, it's a minority of countries in the world, but they tend to be rich and powerful, and they, they tend to be the ones that play along with the United States and its aggression abroad. I was noticing that it seemed like a big deal that other countries were under threat of sanction from the United States, still engaging in trade or still making, you know, mm-hmm. having communication with Iran, even though the United States took its exceptionalist position to say that they right. weren't allowed to do that. But it's not enough and doesn't amount to standing up to the U.S.'s bludgeoning. Right. Well, let me just ask you for final thoughts on coverage in particular that we are likely to see going forward. I mean, this narco state Venezuela thing seems to be just getting started. Who knows what media are going to do with Mm -hmm. that? What should we be keeping in mind as we look at coverage of U.S. sanctions? It's always about what they say and about what they don't say. It's important for us to go back that the whole premise that I mentioned that people have have not pushed back on, even well-intentioned people, in my opinion, have kind of forgotten sometimes, and might maybe even me, I've forgotten sometimes to push back on the fact that Venezuela has a democratically elected government. You know, in 2018, one of the big complaints for saying that Maduro's government wasn't legitimately elected was saying that basically two of his top rivals were disqualified. 
okay, now they were involved in multiple coup attempts and they would never have been allowed to participate and certainly have been in jail in any of their country. But it's worth remembering right now in Ecuador, for instance, Rafael Correa has been sentenced to jail for 25 years, not allowed to run for any public office in Ecuador. But it's a U.S. ally, so nobody's going to cite that as an example and say, hey, they're not a democracy. Lula da Silva in Brazil was in jail when Bolsonaro won his election. And these are countries, Brazil and Ecuador, they're not facing an external threat like Venezuela is. So it's very important to keep in mind that the kind of so-called abuses that Venezuela is accused of are just routine stuff in countries that are allied with the United States. I mean, even more striking examples, Bolivia, where you have an outright dictatorship right now because the democratically elected president, Evo Morales, was overthrown in a coup based on a bogus electoral allegations made by a compliant OAS bureaucracy that's funded mainly by the U.S. So, you know, all these attacks on Venezuela, on Iran, they're, they're all based on the premise that what the U.S. allies do is is okay. You know, they can, they can do all sorts of things and nobody reports them in a way that says, hey, that's not right, that's not democratic, or that's actually a war crime or whatever. But if Venezuela or Iran do anything... It just gets amplified all over the place, and, and, and this idea is reinforced in people's heads that these are evil governments. I mean, we can critique the way the United States brings them down, but that it's basically they're on the right side by, by being against them. We've been speaking with writer Joe Emmersberger. You can find his piece, Media Struggle to Defend Washington's Cruelty Toward Venezuela and Iran as Coronavirus Spreads on FAIR.org. Joe Emmersberger, thank you so much for joining us today on Counterspin.